Good afternoon, everyone. It's so uh, great to see everyone out again. Thank you for your attendance. Uh, thank you again for the opportunity to come and hopefully finish this up this afternoon for you all. Uh, just as a reminder, uh, a lot of this material and the studying I did came from uh, Brother Jeffrey Hamilton, so I just want to tie that back to him. And we talked a lot today about uh, spirits and the difference between a spirit and a soul. Uh, the text we used came from 1 Thessalonians, and uh, so this afternoon we're going to try and finish up. We're going to get along the lines of what are angels in terms of spirits, and then uh, getting into the last part, which is what is a soul, as how it's used in the context of the scripture. Again, I've provided the scriptures up on the board, so please write them down, uh, and then fact check it later, as we're told to. Um, don't just take my word for, for it, even though I... No, we trust each other here. I made mistakes. As you can tell, some of my proofreading got uh, overlooked a little bit. So without further ado, let's uh, continue where we were. Uh, we left off with angels. Angels, that's literally tra- translated as messengers. Uh, they are called ministering spirits. In Hebrews 1, 13 through 14, it says, To which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve? For the, sake, for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. Uh, there's many times, you know, even when Jesus was praying, at times he struggled in the garden, angels were sent to minister to him, as well as other uh, Old Testament prophets, uh, such as Elijah and uh, other examples we have found that we'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, where do angels come from, or where do they live? Matthew twenty four thirty six says, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows... Not even the angels of heaven, uh, nor the Son, but the Father only. It's kind of two things right here that we find out about angels. I'll touch upon one a little bit later. But it says the angels of heaven. Angels come from heaven. Now, I'm sure as you've seen, there's, there's a lot of conceptions of angels. Some of them show them having wings, blonde hair, and halos. Uh, we don't really find any of that in the scripture. Uh, sometimes we say that they interact with humans And people don't even know that they're angels of God. Another part here, it says, concerning the day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven. Interesting, angels are spiritual beings, but they're not omniscient. God alone is omniscient. So the angels, they don't even know certain things. And they're involved with the return of Christ. In 2 Thessalonians 1.7, they're going to come with Jesus in his return, says, and to grant relief to those who are afflicted as well as to us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God, and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. And again, they carry the spirits of the righteous to their rewards. Uh, Kyle and I had a, a discussion about this too. This is the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. As with Jesus' parables, their stories used to help explain things that couldn't be always understood at that time. Uh, So there is a debate about whether this is exactly what it is going to happen or not. Uh, But for an example here, we have the poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried, and he went to a place of torment. Um, Whatever that be, you know, we have an example that Jesus used to kind of maybe help us understand that our, our spirits will be carried away. By angels. They're not always recognized. Uh, Manoah, he was the father of Samson, he said, Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, Please let us detain you and prepare a young goat for you. 
And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, If you detain me, I will not eat of your food. But if you prepare a burnt offering, then offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know he was the angel of the Lord. You would think if you ran into an angel, you would say, You're an angel, aren't you? I know there are certain times when kids are really good, we call them little angels. But uh, isn't that kind of fascinating? Angels can hide their glory in ways, too, that we have no idea. In the same sense, they would appear to be uh, human-looking as well, wouldn't they? Uh, but Manoah did not know, or his wife. Uh, another one in Hebrews 13.2. This is one that I've kind of overlooked a little bit. I added verse 1 as well. It says, Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Kind of inferring that angels can come and go and people would never know. This comes from the New Testament scripture from the Hebrew author. Possible maybe to happen again. Luke 2 verse 9. Uh, it says, when they are recognized though, the beholder awful, often trembles in fear. It says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. The angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be all for the people. It's kind of uh, this is uh, in reference to um, the angel appearing to the wise men, the shepherds. And, uh, and also we have accounts from where uh, Daniel was encountered by angels and he fainted. Uh, could you imagine just a being like that that causes you so much fear and trembling you just faint? I've never passed out from fear, but uh, I believe if maybe I encountered an angel in their glory, it, it would bring me to my knees. Acts 12, 6 through 10, um, they are active in fulfilling God's desires. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains and sentries before the door, uh, before the door they were guarding, the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up, quickly. The chains fell off his hands, and the angel said to him, Dress yourself, put on your sandals, and he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate, leading into the city. It opened for them on its own accord, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. Interesting, too, you think about Lot being uh, saved from Sodom and Gomorrah's destruction. Uh, At first, Lot... I would say he had no idea who these two men were. He was trying to do a good deed and shelter them. And they had come to examine the city. And, uh, you know, Lot gave them housing. And then at the end, surely Lot knew what they were. Uh, <clears throat> so, and uh, another one. First Peter 1.12. We already talked about them not being omniscient. Here's another one. Uh, it talks about spiritual beings are not omniscient. And uh, they have things that they want to know as well. In 1 Peter 1.12, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you, and the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. So interesting, angels are messengers, they're workers for God. Uh, they don't always have the big picture, maybe, of, uh, even the plan of salvation, uh, the finer details, maybe God keeps to himself, but angels are not beings that are all-knowing. In Matthew twenty-two thirty, it kind of gives us that we'll be similar to angels in the resurrection. It says, in the resurrection, they neither married nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. Giving us an example that angels, they don't marry uh, in heaven, and neither will we. 
Another big thing about angels is they sin, or have sinned, can sin. So in 2 Peter 2.4, If God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until judgment. Another one in Jude 6, The angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains into, under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Now we mentioned the unclean spirits earlier. And where do these unclean spirits come from? They come from Satan. And for a brief period of time, they were allowed to have influence and affect the world in more of a physical way than what we see today versus what I would consider temptations, as people uh, refer to it. Um, you know, they could actually grab hold of people. They could possess them. They could make them do things that they would not, a normal person wouldn't do. And uh, these are the angels that, that fell. Uh, it says here in Jude that they did not stay within their own position of authority. So whatever they did, angels have a conscience. They have a will to do their own. And if they so choose to go against God for whatever reason, uh, they are punished also. <clears throat> now here's, uh, we kind of summed up uh, the angels, and we're going to go into the spirit of man. And this is interesting, I never really noticed this, but in the creation account, uh, in my version and other ones I checked out, uh, it always says God made, God made, God made, God made. Then on the sixth day when it gets to man, it says God created man. It's kind of a, I never noticed that, but it makes a big difference, doesn't it? In Genesis 1, 26-27, it said, God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. It's a big distinction. Who are we fashioned after? Who are we created after? The image of God. So man, as we have discussed earlier, we have a body, we have a spirit, we have a soul. Uh, distinction is made from, uh, the, from made versus created, and we're made in the image of God. What is God? John 4, verse 24, it tells us God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Another part is God forms the spirit in man. We mentioned Zechariah earlier. We're going to go back to that. Zechariah 12.1, it says, The oracle of the word of the Lord concerning Israel, thus declares the Lord, who stretched out the heavens and founded the earth and formed the spirit of man within him. And as we mentioned again, there's a lot of different forms of spirit. So what is the spirit in regards to the context of the text that we're reading? Because that can really uh, play a different emphasis. Here we have the spirit of man. You, we each have our own spirit, and this one uh, is referring to that. As we get on to a little bit more of a man's spirit, you know, it can be other parts of us from what the Bible shows us. It's a source of human thought. So what is a spirit? So 1 Corinthians 2.11, it talks about a man's spirit knows his own heart. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Our, our spirit understands us. Now, again, we could go on and on about what this could possibly mean, uh, but it, you know, it gives us a little bit more insight to what a spirit of a man is, and it encourages me and hopefully you to kind of dig a little more deeper about what this could mean more. 
In Proverbs 20.27, written by the wisest man in the world, the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all his innermost parts. A man's spirit searches the depths of his heart. That's interesting too, isn't it? Another thing about a spirit is it decides, it makes decisions. Uh, in Exodus 35.21, says, And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him, and notice also heart and spirit in this context are used interchangeably whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting and for all of its service and for the holy garments. So what did these spirits do, the hearts of these people do? It moved them to provide, to give. Another one in Acts 19.21 says Paul purposed in his spirit. It says, now after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem saying, after I've been there, I must also see Rome. This is one of those cases where we mentioned about, uh, I know it's a capitalized spirit, but it could possibly mean Paul's spirit as well. Psalm 78.8, it talks about spirits are uh, not steadfast with God. They should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart or spirit was not steadfast, and again, whose spirit was not faithful to God. When you think about our maybe our physical actions being it, what's faithful, but it's, it's our spirits that are here that are shown to be faithful to God. John 4, 23 through 24 says, but the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father, how? In spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. And again, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The worshiper decides to follow God. Even the Pharisees, you know, Jesus called them whitewashed tombs. From the outside, this body looked good. My actions looked good. But the hearts weren't where they needed to be. And that's where um, God can see into our spirits, into our hearts, and know. <coughs> Excuse me. Romans 1, verse 9, it talks about Paul served God in his spirit. It says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit, and the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you. But here it shows Paul making an action, a choice, a decision, and that is to uh, worship God. You know, beforehand, Paul was going and murdering people for God, so he thought. And he did that wrongly. Now he made a choice to go the other way and to worship uh, the right way. Spirits feel emotion. Genesis 41.8, so in the morning his spirit was troubled, this is Pharaoh, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. Pharaoh told them in his dreams, but there was none who could interpret them to Pharaoh. Again, it says his spirit was troubled. You ever thought about how his spirit was troubled? What spirit was troubled? Pharaoh's spirit. He has his own spirit and was bothered by these dreams that we had, that he had. A spirit also... <coughs> can be sorrowful. Hannah, 1 Samuel 1, 15, it says, Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Here we have another distinction between spirit and soul. <coughs> Hannah, as she was praying so desperately to have a child. Our spirits, our, uh, Jesus, as, in regards to his spirit, Mark 8, 11 through 12, the Pharisees came and began to argue with him. Again, as we mentioned this morning, they were seeking a sign from him from heaven to test him. 
And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. (coughs) Excuse me. Another thing is, our bodies, they pass on. Job, he even knew this. Our spirits live on after death. Ecclesiastes 12.7 shows us this. The dust returns to the earth, our bodies return to the earth, as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. And here's a big thing, too. Um, people say, I don't owe anything to God. You owe God your life. He gave it to you. Uh, as we get into what a soul is, we know that God breathes life into every creature. You know, even I don't think we think about trees breathing much, but... You know, they breathe in our waste products and make oxygen for us. So it's, you know, even trees have life. And God has given them, given them that life. But here is the spirit returning back to God. And this is the part that, you know, I, I know it was mentioned about having a, a gem where he mentioned if you let Logan borrow his car, he borrowed Logan's car and turned it to a demolition car. You know, if I let you borrow something, I, I kind of want it back the way I gave it to you. Uh, not worse than how it was. And when we return our spirits to God, we want them to be uh, better than how we got them. In Luke 24, 36, uh, there's another case. It says, Jesus calling out with a loud voice said, Father, into your hands I commit, I give my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. And then again with Acts seven fifty nine, just for another one, is Stephen. As Stephen's being stoned, uh, Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. So big differences. These aren't saying receive my soul, as we, uh, I think we can mention earlier, it gets interchanged. Uh, this is the spirit that returns back to God. Now the Bible doesn't always use the word spirit to refer to a being. It can also refer to what a spirit does. Uh, a spirit can refer to an attitude, a feeling, or even a state of mind. In 1 Samuel 16, 14 and 23, says, the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. And whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the lyre and played it with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the harmful spirit departed from him. Uh, I think this, this verse gets confused a little bit. That this wasn't an evil spirit. God would never send an evil being. But God would send a troubled state of mind. I think we could all agree. And a big part of this is every single time we have seen a harmful, evil spirit that was used in the New Testament, how did that spirit leave? It was commanded to leave. Jesus came and told it to leave. The spirit would stay in them. And notice here, there's no miraculous power being used to make this spirit go away. What made this troubled spirit go away? The playing of a harp. If that was the case, you would think the apostles would carry around more harps to send evil spirits away, would you not? Which isn't the case. Um, And notice, too, that the opposite of an evil spirit was what? Being refreshed. So have you ever had a troubled state of mind and it goes away and comes back again? I think we can all say that we have had that. In Judges 9.23, we see another example. It says, God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the leaders of Shechem. And the leaders of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech. It's not referring to a demon running between two parties. Uh, It refers to an attitude of enmity and hatred and distrust. That's the kind of spirit that we're talking about here. 
Psalms 34, 18 talks about a contrite spirit. It says the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Notice that heart and spirit can be used here as they are interchangeably. In Ecclesiastes 7, 8 through 9, it talks about a proud spirit, a patient spirit, and an angry spirit. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. And be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. In Romans 8.15, we talk about uh, the bondage and the adoption. For you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So this adoption is that attitude that accepts God. Spirit also refers to a pattern of thinking and living. In John 1.12, it says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery. Did I do that twice? Yeah. 2 Corinthians uh, 12. 12 through 18. The signs of a true apostle were performed among you with utmost patience, with signs and wonders and mighty works. For what you, uh, for in what were you less favored than the rest of the churches? Except that I myself did not burden you. Forgive me this wrong. Here, for the third time, I am ready to come to you, and I will not be a burden, for I seek not what is uh, yours, but you. For children are not obligated to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. If I love you more, am I to be loved less? But granting that I myself did not burden you, I was crafty, you say, and got the better of you by deceit. Did I take advantage of you uh, through any of those whom I sent to you? I urged Titus to go and sent with you uh, the brother with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? Did we not act in the same spirit? Did we not take the same steps? So they walk in the same spirit. This is one big example that I really wanted to use too, and it's 2 Kings 2, 9 through 15, in regards to a spirit being a pattern of thinking and of living, and we'll touch upon another one after this. In 2 Kings 2, 9 through 15, it's when Elijah is going to ascend to heaven. It says, when they had a cross, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. Now, this is not like a physical part of Elijah that's being given to him, but the spirit that Elijah had. What did Elijah do? You know, he took on the, uh, the worshiper, the priests of Baal. They cut them down. They, uh, he challenged them with the altar, and he, turned, he started the process of turning the people's hearts back to God. That's the spirit that Elisha wants. He said, you have asked a hard thing yet. If you see uh, me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven, and Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces, and he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted to the one side and to the other, and Elisha went over. Now when the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho saw him opposite them, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. It's interesting that these people could look at him and see him as having a spirit of Elijah. And there's another example from the New Testament that may be a little more familiar to you, who also was said to come in the spirit of Elijah. In 
know, if you had never met somebody and all of a sudden you hear these things and you see them, maybe John the Baptist, you know, and Luke one seventeen it says, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. Is he Elijah? No. But he goes about in the spirit. Uh, there are some similarities to them. Uh, Kyle and I talked about that a little last week. Uh, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. I just mentioned that. What did Elijah do with the prophets of Baal? He just got them destroyed and he was turning the people back. Were the people ready to receive Jesus right away? No. John the Baptist came first. Uh, he was preparing the way, baptizing them with water. It says, the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. That's what he did. A spirit can uh, refer to our breath or even our physical life. In Exodus 3, 19 and 21, for what happens to the children of man and what happens to the beasts is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. They all have the same breath and man has no advantage over the beast for all his vanity. Who knows whether the spirit of man goes upward and the spirit of the beast goes down into the earth. A spirit can also refer to our health. 1 Samuel 30 and 12 and Judges 15, 19 says, They gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins, and when he had eaten, his spirit revived, for he had not eaten bread or drank water for three days and three nights. And God split open the hollow place that is at Lehi, and water came out, and when he drank, his spirit returned, and he revived. Therefore the name of it was called Enhakore. It is at Lehi to this day. You ever been really hungry? A new popular term is called hangry, and which, you know, a spirit's, a person's spirit becomes angry because they're hungry. So they double that together and say they're hangry. And once they eat, they're refreshed, their attitude's a lot better. I have family that's like that uh, on Natalie's side. Uh, but, you know, and even myself, I think we can all say I get a little cranky when I'm more thirsty and hungry than when I'm full and content and happy, can think about other things. Well, I don't think I'm going to get through this. i still got about three more pages. So maybe I can borrow a, another night from y'all. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, this has been a lot of material. Uh, I still got a lot of slides to show y'all. Um, Lord willing, you know, I'll be able to get through this and we can talk about the meaning of a soul. And uh, it's not too much more. So I think I could squeeze that in, maybe even to an invitation. But thank you again. As always, we want to extend an invitation to anyone here that has not obeyed the gospel, or for anyone here that is in need of prayers, of support, whatever you need. We ask only that you, you come forward as we stand and as we sing.